Anybody ever hear of that? Hyperion. I'm exactly sure on the pronunciation. I think that's probably close. Hyperion is a coastal redwood growing in Northern California. Authorities gave it a name, actually. It's known as the tallest living thing in the world today. 397 feet, 4 inches tall. How do you get a grasp on that? 397 feet, 4 inches tall. How, old, how tall are the windmill tires? Anybody know offhand? I was going to Google that and I didn't. Good guess? 250? I'm thinking a little high maybe, but I don't know. It may be. Are you thinking higher than that? Okay. 300? <laughs> well, they're still shorter than Hyperion. Uh, but uh, they said actually somebody crawled up and did a drop take. Now, I don't know if he went all the way up and estimated the other way or not, but uh, I'd be a long way to climb up. I was wondering how long it would uh, take to climb up and whether we had any volunteers to double check that measurement from here. Uh, then I was thinking about that. I thought, you know, Hyperion... I don't know, would a redwood survive around here? Probably not. I'm guessing our, our winters would uh, do it in. Um, probably need that coastal climate. But uh, I was thinking that would be kind of unique to think that we're, we plant a red oak here on our church property. Uh, they take an act, act of Congress or not. Maybe we have to get a FAA permit to uh, have something that tall in the area. Um, 600 estimated to be about 600 years old. That's quite a quite a tree. Well, this morning I want to think about actually some of my framework of thinking goes back to the, the comment we talked about last Sunday school, last uh, week in Sunday school. Uh, I told you the story about of the the church vehicle that I saw in the park parking lot. It had the church name on it, and the parenthesis that it, underneath it it had said uh, "No perfect people allowed." I meant to check the church sign when I pulled in this morning. Does our church sign say everyone welcome? I think it does. I meant to check it and I forgot, but I was 99% sure that's what it says. So if you're here this morning and you're perfect, why you're still welcome. Uh, but it got me to thinking about what really takes place here between you know in the walls of this building. What should be taking place? Thought of a number of things in regards to perfection. Um, you know, I, I thought about uh, the expression sometimes, you know, we're not perfect, but we're forgiven. We use that expression sometimes. And that certainly is a part of our experience. We're not perfect, uh, but we do experience forgiveness. We can experience perfection in Christ. If we do experience perfection, it's only through Christ working in our lives. Then I was thinking some more, and this, this comes back to natural life. Uh, our children gave us a commemorative 40th wedding anniversary photo book. And on the last page... They had a picture of my wife and I, and they said, a, a perfect marriage is two imperfect people that never give up on each other. So there it is. You all know we're imperfect, and you knew that without me telling you that. But I thought about that. I thought, you know, maybe that's uh, what church membership is all about. I think it could be. We're imperfect, but we don't give up on each other. We keep on encouraging each other. That's what I want to do this morning. The title of my message is, Grow Up. It's an expression. Uh, I tried to think back. I, I don't remember ever being told that, but I'm sure I was told that. If I wasn't told that by my parents, I had enough of older siblings that probably took the liberty to tell me that because I had seven that were older than me. 
And uh, they probably took the liberty to tell me to grow up on more than one occasion. I just didn't remember it. So uh, maybe you can get your minds conjuring. Has anybody ever told you to grow up? Dwight, do you remember anybody telling you to grow up? Okay, he thinks he does. And Dwight has grown up. I know he has. <laughs> Even though he may not be staturally as tall as some of the rest of us here, he's bigger than he actually is physically by some of the decisions that he has made. And uh, spiritual... Maturity, spiritual growth has nothing to do with physical dimensions. As I was thinking about growing up, I thought, you know, would do you think God would ever like to tell us to grow up? You know, when we use it in a natural sense, we're given an expression of that we're somewhat disappointed in in our uh, in, in the person's actions, attitudes. Uh, we're, we're thinking they should be doing better than that. We're thinking that they should be at a different level, and so we're telling them, "Okay, grow up. You know, you're 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 older than that. You you should have, you shouldn't have let that get you down. You shouldn't have responded that way. It's an expression that we use, and we're letting them know that we're disappointed in them." And as I thought about that, turning your Bibles to Ephesians chapter four, in relation to God asking or telling us to grow up. He does tell us to grow up. If you look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, now I'm taking this verse, I'm taking these two words right out of the middle of that verse, but if you look at verse 15, it says, grow up. And that's what God tells us to do. He expects us to grow up. I don't want to read this entire chapter and then come back and, and pick out some things that, uh, you know, that are, uh, uh, that are important or marks of growth in our, in our spiritual life. Uh, one of the things I thought about, you know, I, I, I could have had Darren bring Lakeland up here. She's our youngest grandchild and youngest member here in church this morning, I think. And, uh, you know, I could tell her to grow up, you know, grow up. And I, could, I don't know if Dwight grew up six inches when he was told to grow up or not. I don't know. You know, but growth is slow and subtle. It's, it happens very slowly, at least physically. Now, emotionally and mentally, it can happen maybe in spurts, perhaps. You know, oftentimes experiences come into our life that, that maybe advances, you know, a little faster than we'd like to go sometimes. But a lot of times growth is slow and in many ways undetected unless you consciously mark or note it in some way. And uh, I was trying to think if I give you these nine points that I have here this morning, I think there are nine points that you can measure your spiritual development and growth by. God wants us to grow up. He comes there. Notice there in verse 15, he says, grow up. And God anticipates and God speaks that in our behalf. You know, humanly speaking, some of the growing up is somewhat, from a physical perspective, is out of our control. We have some genetic makeup within us that, that determines our height. Matter of fact, I was told that, you know, if you take your two-year-old, typically at that height, at two years, that's going to be double that, and it's going to be their mature adult height, physically, that is. And that's not, of course, true emotionally phys or uh, Mentally as well, we we hope we make a lot more advancements from two years to whatever age maturity happens. But uh, one of the things, if you want to grow up, I think you need to grow down. Uh, and that has to do with we need to have roots established. I don't know how I, I did a little bit of research on the redwoods, and they said you know on the rocky northern California coasts, there's not there's a root system there to sustain that tree for sure. And God created the redwoods, but. It's not necessarily the depth, but it's the mass of roots that actually keeps it in place. And uh, it actually doesn't, uh, it's in the back country, it's isolated, 
it doesn't actually stand out. It fits into the forest somewhat, but there was enough of uh, observation done that they, they speculated that this tree was probably the tallest. And so they set about and measured it. Whether they find one, I think this was found back in 2006. There was another one that they had marked down that was a few feet, ten feet shorter, I think, longer ago. But uh, So if you want to grow up, you need to grow down. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's what should be taking place here this morning. We should be putting roots down in, in, into the Word of God so that as we go out into the world that we can sustain the forces of, of the weather, the forces of evil... Uh, that we are encountered so we don't get blown over. And it talks about that here in this chapter, being children tossed to and fro. Uh, I'll, I'll read this chapter, and I want to come back and, and then pick up nine points that I feel are marks of spiritual growth that you and I can measure our, our spiritual stature by. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. Now he that ascended, what is it, but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by sly of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, According to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having, their, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God 
for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Marks of spiritual growth. First one I want to draw your attention to is, is in verse 1. And that is growing in spite of restrictions, setbacks, or loss of freedom. And we see that here in the Apostle's expression here in verse 1. He says, I therefore the prisoner of Rome. I therefore the prisoner of the Jews. You know, he doesn't say that, does he? He says, I'm the prisoner of the Lord. And uh, we realize that we, you, as we have named the name of the Lord, we are his regardless of the external circumstances that you and I encounter. Paul was a prisoner of the Lord. And he gave recognition to that. You know, America is known for its freedom. And I was, there was an article just recently that really caught my attention. And it said security uh, often trumps, uh, would overshadow the idea of freedom. You know, America is known for its freedom. Uh, if, you have, if you have a reason or a purpose to do something, you have, you have a freedom to express yourself that way. And America champions that. But in light of that, we have sacrificed a level of security that I think, uh, and the article went on to say how that there are other countries in the world that do not champion freedom to the extent that America does, but they, they have security that trumps America's freedom. And the more I, I read and heard about this, I thought, you know, there's, some, there's an element of truth in that. Uh, and uh, there may, there's some truth in that spiritually. We have freedom in Christ. By all means, we do have freedom in Christ. But you know, we also have security in Christ. We have, our faith is our security that sustains us through uh, any of the circumstances that life may lay before us that we have to go through. And we can find that security. And that's, we find that in, in the Apostle Paul's expression here. He's, he's secure. He don't have freedom, but he's secure in Christ. Whether he's in prison or not, his freedom was still there. And I think that's, him. that's so powerful. He was a prisoner of the Lord, and I think that's the key. He realized that, that, that Paul was where he was because of who he was and his relationship to him. God may bring some of those restricting experiences into our walk to help us to grow and uh, bring growth into our lives. So that's the first one, growing in spite of restrictions and uh, the setbacks or losses of freedoms that we think are important to us. You know, usually it's our carnal nature. Usually it's our carnal life that uh, somewhat uh, pulls back when our freedom is taken away. You can't do that. That's my liberty. That's my right. And it's usually carnality that's at the core of that. Uh, and I, I, I challenge you to, to check that uh, if, if that's your response. You know, are you where you are because of where God wants you to and give recognition to that fact and grow in that experience as the Apostle Paul, I believe, was doing. And left us an example to do likewise. The second one is, um, and that has to do, to do with genetic. You know, I said we're somewhat limited. You know, in the Apostle, or in the Scripture here, Jesus, I believe, talked about, said how, the, you know, it, how impossible it is to add one statue, one cubit to your statue. You can't do that. You can tell somebody to grow up and the other grow up and the other grow up, but you know, if they don't have the genetic makeup to grow up, uh, you know, there's all kinds of miracle formulas around to lose weight. Is there any kind of miracle formulas around to grow tall? I, I don't know. I've never seen them. Uh, you know, or build muscles. I don't know. But, uh, you know, you have a genetic makeup in you that, that is probably going to limit your height uh, to a certain degree. All of us, well... There was five of us boys in our family. I think at least three or four of us probably 
grew higher than our parents, and I'm not sure. Maybe it goes back more generations. I don't know. But it uh, seems to have leveled off some. I don't know if any of my boys are old, taller than me or not. Uh, at least they can pretty well look me in the eyes. But uh, thankfully it doesn't keep on going. Um, but talk about spiritual genetic. We do have a spiritual genetic in us. If you look at verses 2 through 6, look at that there. It says, With all loneliness and meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, there is one body, one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. One God and Father of all. Talk about the spiritual genetic that you and I can have. He's our Father who is above all, through all, and in you all. We have him as our spiritual father. We have the spiritual genetic to, to grow in the likeness of Jesus Christ because of allowing him to be our father. He's in us, it says, and in you all. This comes not of ourselves. talks about lowliness, humility, meekness. That's the disposition not to provoke others. Uh, Long-suffering, that talks about patience. These are all dispositions for unity. And then it talks about that oneness that we have in Christ and oneness that we can have as a brotherhood. And if you remember, I said that Hyperion actually kind of blends in with the other coastal red oaks that are there. It, it really doesn't stand out. It looks like a red oak. You said a red oak out here on our church property. You know, it would, it would stand out. It would be different. And I don't think it would survive uh, on its own. We need the brotherhood. And there's a spiritual application there. Just as the redwood needs the forest to protect it, the others around it, I believe we need that protection of the brotherhood. One God, one Father. You know, anything other than one here, and I, if you look how much one is used in those verses there, anything other than one is, is, is well, I guess you'd say you, you call it somewhat a freak. Um, you know, uh, I had to think back. We had a, many years ago, I asked Danella to email me this picture. We had a calf that was born, and uh, it was it was dark in the morning, or at least sub-dawn, enough that I could see that I had walked out through the dry cow lot, and I saw there was a calf, that had a, a cow that had calf, had a calf, and I, but I, I could, it was light enough that I could tell there was something wrong with it, and uh, upon closer inspection, I, I realized it had a split nose on the top of its mouth. It had like two nostrils, and uh, so it was, uh, I wasn't sure what to do with it. I, I, uh, I knew it was, I think it was a bull calf. Is that right? It was a bull calf, I think. They didn't even seek anyway. And uh, so I, I talked to our breeding service people about it, and they uh, said, well, somebody might be interested. So they talked to the University of Iowa, and sure enough, they were interested in it. So they bought it from, we had given it to Nell. She took uh, interest in it and cared for it. I was kind of ready to have it done with because it looked like a dead-end street. Well, they wanted it for research, so they, they took it, and uh, I don't know how long it he had his own air-conditioned pen and uh, had it was treated quite well, I think, but uh, they wanted it for research. But, you know, it was a freak. Instead of one nose, he had two noses, as I remember, two. And uh, they were able to feed him somehow. I know the first night after they took him home, they called back up. They said, how do you feed this animal? <laughs> and uh, anyway, but oneness... Uh, spiritual genetic potential to grow like Christ. Uh, our focus is in being one with Christ. Not There's no room for any other personal ambition or goal. Oneness in Christ. It's That genetic potential is within us to grow. Anything other than that is going to end up 
in disappointment. It's going to be what I'll, I'll say, be a freak. Name it what you want, but it's actually the carnal nature that... Uh, and I had to think of the verses, and I'll just quickly turn to them. You need to turn to them. In 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 1, it mentions that idea of, of oneness with Christ uh, and not Christ not being divided, I believe. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1, verses 12 now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. Verse 13, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? No, he wasn't. No, you weren't. Christ needs to be one in our experience and if we are going to grow into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Well, the third point that I have is, where does the credit go for the spiritual growth that we do achieve? And that's in verses 7 through 13. It says, but unto every one of us is given, notice that, is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. If I grow spiritually, if you grow spiritually this morning, it's not that we have, yes, we may have allowed Christ to work in our lives, but it's, it's because of the grace of Christ, grace of God that he has given to us. Um, verse 12, why was it given? So that I could be Somebody, so that you could be somebody. Notice verse 12, it says, For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Spiritually, we need to grow so that we can glorify Christ. Uh, spiritual, and as I thought about this, you know, there's something greater and more important than a redwood growing on our church property, and that's a, that's a body of believers that are worshiping together in harmony and unity. That will be a greater testimony than having a 400-foot redwood, redwood Coastal redwood growing here on our property. Um, it was done for the perfecting, for the edifying. And then verse 13 is the result of that. So that we, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that's the only way we can experience perfection in Jesus Christ this morning. Now that to me is, is real growth. Uh, if we achieve that, and actually... I don't think we'll probably achieve that 100% until we're home safely in glory. I believe we're, we need to continually work on that carnal nature. Paul said he dies daily. But uh, I believe as, as, we, as we grow spiritually, as we continue to walk with him, the longer we walk with him, I think we can grow spiritually. But uh, that perfection is not brought to maybe completion until we are safely home with him in glory. Because there will be failures and shortcomings uh, as long as we're in, in this body. The fourth point is spiritual comprehension. You know, I, I talked about Lakeland, or you'd say Elyrica perhaps. Uh, you know, what is their comprehension level? What is my spiritual comprehension? You know, I don't expect, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't tell Lakeland she's less than a year old. I wouldn't tell her to grow up probably very often. Uh, you know, she wouldn't even understand what I'm saying. But it is interesting to understand that, uh, you know, can we really be like Christ? What is our spiritual comprehension? Can I think like Christ? And I thought of the verses there in, in Romans 12, verses 1 through 4, familiar verses, you know, that, that we have that renewing of our mind. So we can have a, there is a process that takes place as we walk with Christ, as we commit our lives to Him, that will enable us to have spiritual comprehension to a degree like Christ, that I'm moved with compassion that I have love and empathy in, in helping others. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, and I won't turn to those verses either. It says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. We need to have that mind. How fully can I have that comprehension? 
You know, comprehension is the idea of, uh, of, of taking what we know and, and acting on it and being able to translate it into rubber that meets the road. Christian life, that makes a difference. That's comprehension. Well, I think we can. I think we need to have spiritual comprehension if we are going to grow in the likeness of Jesus Christ this morning. Fifth point that I have is the idea of um, speaking. You know, our, our speaking tells the level of our comprehension, does it not? Uh, you know, where there, it tells what's inside of us. It tells what my focus is. Uh, Two verses in this chapter here, verse 15, it says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Notice there's our, our title, grow up. Speaking the truth in love may grow up. And then dropping down to verse 29, it says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of the edifying that may minister grace unto the hearers. So the words that I share, the things that I share with you, ought to be ministering grace to you. Pardon me, making you more Christ-like. You know, like I said, Lakeland, Alerica, you know, well, Alerica's talking, but, you know, she, uh, uh, Lakeland can't, she's not, her, her comprehension level has not put words into her mouth to uh, communicate a whole lot yet. It's more her crying that perhaps conveys her displeasure. Uh, you know, so a small child does convey its comprehension level. It wants it now, it wants it right now, uh, and it, it does it through the emotional outburst of crying and shedding tears. They're displeased. Is that the way we communicate spiritually? What well, says if we're like Christ, we ought to be administering grace. Our, our words should minister grace to the hearers. And uh, again, that focus is not on who I am. It, it'll be on what Christ can do in the lives of, of other people. Are we doing baby talk? Nonsense, or is our communication adult, thoughtful, stimulating discussions that will inspire people to a right relationship with Christ? Again, another number six, that of walking. Uh, verse 17 says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. What does this tell us about growing up? The Illustrated New Testament says, in, in that, that verse 17, it says, A walk with no purpose. Is our walk with no purpose? Uh, do I walk like I have a purpose in life? I should be. Spiritually, I should be living like I have a purpose, I have a goal, and that's my objective to get there. Um, I'm not wondering, I'm not sidetracked, but I have a mission in mind, and that is a goal to reach glory. And fulfill God's purposes in this world as long as He lends me the ability to walk. You know, I was impressed as I thought about it. We take walking for granted so often. The ability to walk uprightly, it's a, it's a blessing. Uh, you know, sometimes we pull into parking lots and we see the handicap stickers there or the handicap signs there. And, uh, you know, but you know, it's a real blessing not to have to use some spots. Uh, walking, unless you've had the experience of being handicapped for a limited time, uh, you know, walking is a blessing. And uh, walking spiritually with the Lord is a blessing as well. Remember, we have a purpose. We have a goal. Let's 
not lose sight of that goal. Let's walk. Let's not be wandering and dabbling around, uh, loitering. And uh, we have a purpose and goal for our walk with Jesus Christ. Well, the idea of feelings and emotions, that's in verses 19 and verse 32. It talks about feelings there. Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. And then dropping down to verse 32, that's the negative. Verse 32 is the positive. He says, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Feelings and emotions, I believe, need to grow along with our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, a, sensi- a sensitiveness to the conscience of our conscience toward the truth of God's word. Uh, you know, instead of giving up, I mentioned the idea, instead of giving up, forgive others. Uh, you will experience a blessing. Uh, you know, the carnal nature tend, is tempted to give up sometimes on people. The carnal nature sometimes wants to say, I've given you seven times seventy, and now I'm done. I'm ready to give up. But I don't find that in the Scripture because God has continuously forgiven me. And as God has forgiven us, we need to continuously forgive others. So forgiving will impact our feelings and emotions. It will free us. It will give us a liberty and a freedom that we can experience in Christ. The eighth point that I have is in verse 21. If so be that ye have heard him. That's our hearing. Is our hearing growing? Uh, I found it interesting a fetus at 18 weeks begins to pick up sounds. And uh, they researched that and came up with that. A fetus, an unborn child at 18 weeks can, can detect sounds. And uh, one month after birth, uh, the hearing is probably fully developed. One month after birth. Uh, so that's, that, I found that interesting. At one month after birth, your hearing is fully developed. Uh, From there on out, I guess it's protection. <laughs> and uh, some of us farmers have been a little calloused on that. We haven't taken the protection we should have. So it's a what, huh? And uh, But I thought about that on a spiritual application. Am I, where is my spiritual hearing tuned to? Have I protected my spiritual hearing so that I can hear the voice of the Good Shepherd? as described in John 10. Is my ear tuned to hear that rather than being deaf to the voice of God calling us? The ninth point that I have is that of productivity. You know, as we get older, we're expected to contribute to our families, to our church, to our communities. That's in verse 28. It says, this all has to do with growth. Let not... Pardon me, verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Give as a Christian, give as Christ gave, sacrifice. It's two, two words in there, that of, of giving and that of good. And we need to give, we need to give, we need to give. God expects us to give because we have freely he have received, freely give. God expects us to be givers. We ought to be productive and giving and sharing as God and Christ did. Well, you can take these seven marks of growth, and uh, I was going to give you little index cards, and I didn't get them printed out, that you could uh, do a score of 1 to 10, how am I doing? Uh, You can take them and write them out yourself. And you can score yourself if you want to. But maybe that's not accurate. Maybe you ought to ask the person that at least likes you to score it. 
<laughs> that'd be a mark of real, or that'd be an honest mark, perhaps. Uh, well, I'll let you choose to do that or not. Well, you will never grow to 379 feet, 4 inches tall. And if it is 600 years old, that's a growth of, I think, was it 7 inches a year, approximately. And again, that's just estimates. So that's not a lot of growing in a year's time. But uh, the fact is there was growth. And I'm, I think I, I see growth in our lives here today. And uh, I rejoice in that. And I hope that we can continue to see growth within the walls of this building so that everyone is still welcome, uh, even if you feel like you're perfect. But uh, you'll not live to be 600 years old either. So our growing span is, our growing window of opportunity to grow is shorter. But uh, as long as God gives us opportunity, our desire should be to grow like Him. May God help us to do that.